And officially live, what is up, everybody? This is Nick from P2W Fantasy here on Tuesday. I have two great guests on the podcast. I have uh, someone who's been on the podcast a lot and then somebody brand new to the podcast. So uh, what we will do today is uh, make sure we start off things by introducing these two guys and let them talk about what they have going on because uh, from a resume standpoint, these uh, two guys have a lot going on. So definitely curious to hear what they're working on, uh, anything related to that. So to start things off, I have my my buddy Stompy here. Uh, just some spark notes on, on Stompy, and then he can uh, talk to you guys about what he has going on. The Avi on his Twitter shows the, the Scott Fishbowl champ belt, so he uh, has that on the resume. Host of the Dynasty Diagnostic, writer at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I, I talked to Stompy before the podcast and um, talked about uh, our buddy Gary Van Dyke. He, he shot me a call, actually. So I was on the phone, and he's like, you have to get this guy on the podcast. And I said, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good referral right there. So uh, Stompy, excited to have you on, man. Can you talk uh, about what you have going on, working on, and also be sure to let us know where we can find you for the people listening later when this is not live. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Uh First time listener, first time caller, I think. Um, yeah, and, and thanks, Gary, for for the the referral. I mean, I've been working with Gary for a couple three years now, and he that dude, I, pretty pretty well known around the the fantasy space, but I, IDP guru and whatnot. So thanks a lot, Gary. But yeah, um, so I joined up with Dynasty Nerds. Um, I'm just getting back into it again, um, writing and podcasting again. So. Um, look for me elsewhere, but I'm writing at Dynasty Nerds. Um, look, I, I think I might start writing for Rotoviz here. We'll see. Um, I have a, a debut article I'm in the middle of writing. It's J.K. Dobbins, the top second year running back in 2021. Um, okay, so sorry. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, I have, I have another kind of coming uh, down the pipe pike and it's uh about jalen hurts um and then so those are some of the writing some of the writing i'm doing and then i will be joining other podcasts here but hopefully starting up dynasty diagnostic again here shortly i spoke with aton and um hopefully here in the next few weeks we'll record something and see where things go from there sounds good and i like the uh like the upcoming article topics because both of those guys seem to be uh, players that people are one way or the other about. I don't. I don't see a ton of people saying like, "Oh, J.K. or Jalen Hurts is an okay player." You either see he's going to be great or he's going to flop. So I, I like to see people who come out with the content that address those players that a lot of people are one way or the other about. So that'll be exciting for. That. I'm not. I'm. I'm not afraid of controversy. I said Drew Locke would be a QB one this season. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we we all, we all miss we all miss though. Hey, how dare you! I did. I actually missed that last year, but and I I doubled down on it this year. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I can go down the list. I uh, you know ripped Rojo and um, you know I had these Vaughn takes. I was one of those guys, so I, I can go down that road uh, as yeah. well. Uh, also with me today, Chris. It feels like the old times. I mean, my my podcast when it first kicked off, I had Chris on like every week. Uh, this was back in the days where I didn't have headphones or a microphone. I was in my garage, I think, echoing, things like that. So it's nice to have uh, Chris back on the show. Uh, real quick with Chris, FSWA member, DFS for the Undroppables, who I always boost because that's a great group of guys right there. Uh, rankings for Fantasy Pros, IDP for Gridiron Rating, 
Uh, you got the hot pucking stacks right now. I know during the season you had the bottom of the barrel. Talk to talk to us about, of course, where we can find you, and then anything you want to plug for what you got going on. Sure, it's a pretty simple. I, I, I normally say this, but you know, if you're if you're looking for me, I hopefully it's not that hard. You find me on Twitter at Detroit Beastie, Chris Robin on Facebook and other social media platforms. I've yet to see somebody. Everybody does TikTok, but nobody gives out their Snapchat handle. Really, we can share photos and rankings, and I can Snapchat you my my no endless notebooks of of notes and and rankings and that. But we'll get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, I'm currently I'm working on my favorite fantasy thing, just a kind of a fluff piece article thing that I find that are my favorite, which uh, should be out on the Undroppables very shortly. And I'm bringing back, currently working on my, my fantasy heaven, fantasy hell, fantasy purgatory, if you remember from last year and the year before that. Just players and situations that are just absolutely hell to own. Amari Cooper, you know, Carson Wentz. I, I mean, there's a ton of them in heaven. You know who those are. Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey. So it's a very fun article. It's a very easy series, very interactive. People took very kind to it last season, so I figured I'd bring it back this time uh, on the strength of the undroppables, everything that they bring. And of course, uh, all my DFS stuff every day, every moment of every day, I'm doing DFS right now. It's hockey. Baseball is so close. Opening day for the Tigers is here on Thursday. And if you didn't see it, Nick, Andrew Vaughn has made the opening day roster for the Chicago White Sox. So from a fantasy perspective, I love it. I love to hear big things uh, for the White Sox. Obviously, with Eloy Jimenez being out of the picture, that's kind of the downside. But um, Bummer, like, yeah. it, it is nice to have Andrew Vaughn. I'm, part I'm of really lineup. ashamed of Tony Larusa at this point in time. By the way, I, I was ashamed that I'm. I don't want to go too off topic here, but I was a little bit ashamed that uh, you got all these these young guys uh, on the team with a lot of uh, potential, and you bring in Tony Larusa, who's probably not the most. Um, how do I say this? Not, probably not the the guy that these these guys would look to buy into. I mean, if I'm if I'm a group of guys that uh, are early twenties and and we think we can make a run for it, and you have you know old man Tony La Russa coming in, I I wasn't a big fan of it. So I that's all I have to say about that as a Sox fan. Um, but uh, football related, what we're gonna do today? I got a couple preliminary questions for these guys. Um, just talking about some some recent news uh, and, and thoughts on that, and then the bulk of this episode is going to be revolved around player A or player B. So it seems simple, but during this time, you see a lot of people getting into dynasty startups and looking at drafting. And I try to find some players that might be uh, on your draft board close to each other because dynasty wise, they might be ranked kind of similar. So I'm curious to hear who these guys would take in this episode here. Uh, before we get to the intro video, got Gemmo checking in, asking for BC the cat, uh, can't tell what's more excited, Chris's D, uh, DFS slate or Nick's uh, Viridian gear. I like that. Uh, Chris Pinto, oh boy, oh boy, look at this crew. Nick, man, tease some more of that big news, big news. Do have some big news dropping tomorrow, uh, but before we talk about anything else, let's get into that intro. all right all right and yeah just uh as a tease i dropped earlier do have some big news uh, for the brand tomorrow excited to drop that um let's get into the first topic here 
So obviously today was the big Justin Fields pro day. Um, a lot of news surrounding the top couple teams in the draft just because of all the trades that have happened already. Uh, Trevor Lawrence projected to go to the Jaguars. Uh, we have the Jets, the 49ers, Falcons, Panthers. They're all in the top 10 um, and maybe looking for a quarterback. So my question to start off the podcast to you guys is, does a quarterback being drafted to a specific team automatically make that player more appealing? Or for you guys, are you kind of just stuck on uh, how you view these players to begin with um, before the draft? Uh, for example, maybe, maybe no matter what, Justin Fields is your QB two and it doesn't matter where he goes or on the flip side, you can say, Hey, Mac Jones is like my QB five, but if he goes to this team, he's going to have a much more appealing, uh, fantasy situation. So I'm curious just to hear about your guys' thoughts with that. And, uh, Stompy, why don't we start with you with this question? I think Justin Fields is my QB two, no matter what. Um, just cause, and, and today demonstrated it. If, if you were watching the pro day, but a four, four 40 for a quarterback, are you kidding me? What? <laughs> like, and, and uh, the things that I'm hearing from this class is why there, there may not be a, a legitimate Konami code in this class this year. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, maybe even include Dak Prescott, Josh Allen types, uh, Jalen Hurts as well, but I think it, for a team to draft a quarterback that can run a four four forty and not use that to their advantage would be, I mean, that person should be fired on the spot. And what that means for me is I think Shanahan goes that route because they have, and I'm not, this isn't a knock on Mac Jones. Well, it is a little bit, but not I'm not comparing him to Jimmy G, but to me, Mac Jones presents a win now scenario for the 49ers if that's the case. Um, but why would you do that when Jimmy G probably serviceable with a healthy defense? So to me, it's gotta be Fields. I could see Fields sitting for at least half of the season, if not the full season, if they get our playoff bound. And um and then Fields will take over the next year. But yeah, I mean, uh, some of these, uh, for the rest of the guys, I mean, you have to, like, guys like Kyle Trask, maybe Mond, it's, that's a landing spot specific, I think. With these top four um, quarterbacks, they're going to play regardless. Um, and with, like, the Jets' new uh, coaching staff, with the Falcons' new – or with the uh, Falcons' weapons around them, um, I, I mean, growing up with Calvin Ridley is going to be huge – for, for a guy. So I just, there's not really a landing spot in the top 10. I don't like honestly, because all of them are going to be impactful. Um, and there's not a Adam Gase type of coach out there in the top 10 that is going to destroy any of these Fair top four quarterbacks. Yeah, that's interesting. I I'm always curious because people come out with their pre uh, pre draft rankings for specific positions, and um, for some people, it's like, hey, if this guy, if one of these four guys lands in this specific spot, they're automatically my number two. Whereas there's other people that say, hey, no matter what, it's this guy, this guy, and this guy. Uh, Chris, uh, curious to hear your thoughts. Um, is it is it more how you view these guys as players before the draft, or is it more about? Hey, I, I like the landing spots, or I elevate them in my rankings. 
Well, it's the classic case that we've seen so much the last year or two where it's the analytics people versus the numbers people are at war. And then they people tell you, you know, you, that's why you scout the player or you scout the talent, not so much the helmet. And any way you choose to go, that's fine. That's your that's your way. That's what you want to do. But you obviously, Lawrence, uh, Jacksonville, fantastic spot. Wilson, let's say he, Wilson goes to the Jets. That's fine. And then you, San Francisco could be Mac Jones or, or Justin Fields. And then that will probably, you know, throw a wrench into what Atlanta wants to do at four. In all mock drafts, Atlanta, they got Atlanta taking Jamar Chase, but they have Atlanta taking a quarterback like Mac Jones if he's available there. Yet Kyle Shanahan, they moved up to three for what we think is Mac Jones. So it's all weird. And my ears are, you know, it's just so much stuff to take in. But again, I've always been the one to scout the, the kid, the talent, the player, and not so much the situation. I'd be lying if I said, said that the landing spot doesn't uh, play a role because anybody that goes to the Jets or anybody that goes to the Lions, it's like the, the biggest pit of despair ever. I mean, nothing goes on in those organizations where there's certain teams, certain situations where we know, kind of like baseball, these players, they develop their pitchers, they develop their wide receivers, they develop their quarterbacks well. So Lawrence to Jacksonville is a home run. And then wherever, you know, whatever San Francisco goes, it's going to be a home run because that's not be said they're ready to win now if they're with jimmy g they're ready to win now if they grab fields they want to win now because the surrounding cast the defense and the offense is built for right now they are firmly in the deep end of the win now pool i like that i like that um it's it's interesting to see like during this time of year when it's that person's day that person's the talk right so when we actually get to the draft and everybody's on the board then comes the real like, all right, we got to figure out where we place these guys, especially when it comes to fantasy. Um, how do we rank them? Where should we be drafting them? Things like that. So uh, I like these individual days because you hear these big takes on individual players. But once that draft happens, I, I like to see everybody's take on everybody because we're going to have to analyze multiple players at once first, Let's just like Justin Fields today. Let's be honest, Justin Fields had one heck of a pro day today. And if Absolutely. anybody anybody knows who Matt Miller is, a draft scout, he works, he's an on-air guy and at ESPN now. He he tweeted out about an hour or two ago, somebody from the Ohio State scouting program texted him individually and said, uh, Fields had one of the best pro days we've seen here at Ohio State in like a long time. I mean, he, yeah. and, and the thing is he demonstrated – tremendous arm talent he demonstrated speed i i just i get it there's some accuracy issues there's some there's some processing issues but we saw that with lamar miller too we saw that with um, josh allen too it, and and now we're, we're starting to realize maybe we shouldn't be judging it too much on the college production um especially when you have raw talent like you have in Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson um, and and Taysom Hill, frankly. I, unfortunately, I say that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you guys get the idea, though, is that the NFL is starting to shift towards those running quarterbacks or those mobile quarterbacks, and I think th they're starting to realize that maybe being a traditional quarterback is not the – best way to grade a quarterback coming out of the uh, college. If you, uh, if I, if I may, Nick, real fast. So Absolutely. 
everything in today's society and and specifically fantasy football or football because we're talking and doing that right now it's all what have you done for me lately and you look at a guy like josh allen i don't remember what the heck he did in college i remember throwing bombs at his pro day and i remember all the touchdowns he threw a couple months ago last season so you get a guy like fields or you get a guy like wilson lawrence is in like an upper echelon because he's already dialed in number one overall everything is based and predicated on their pro day and people kind of put you know their their senior season or their sophomore junior season on the back burner because you everything is so sped up and fast forward and everything we remember about justin fields will be about today i i will rarely i think we'll rarely see once he's in the in the pros people are going to say oh i remember when he saw that that route in, in college nobody cares anymore about college and it starts right now at these kids individual pro days it's so fast moving it's boom 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 what have you done for me lately? And Justin Fields has cemented himself as a top three pick. I mean, that's I'd like to think that's a home run. It's clear, right? You would you would think you would think. Um, but when it comes to what have you done for me lately, I, I think that uh, that's a good point there because we're so focused on um, today. We're so focused on today, and uh, there's a lot of people that also on the flip side, uh, devil's advocate, will say, "Hey, there's nobody else on the field besides him and the wide receiver. Like we can't." overanalyze that. So you see a lot of takes when it comes to these pro days and how important or not important they are. But uh, at the end of the day, when that draft ticker is on, that's going to be what's important. Um, let, let's get into the show here. We talked about win now a couple times. We talked about Josh Allen like 30 seconds ago, 20 seconds ago. I had a quick question for you guys, and maybe it's not a topic that we have to even dabble too deep into, but I'm curious because the Buffalo Bills were a team that a lot of people saw as a huge landing spot for a running back. You know, when Aaron Jones was floating out there, they said Aaron Jones to Buffalo would be insane. Or, um, you know, Leonard Fournette, what if he was to go to, to Buffalo or all these other names that were thrown around. So here's the backfield as of today. So as of today, we have Matt Breida, who just signed with the team. We have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I'll, I'll read you guys off a couple Stats from just this last year. We won't go into their pro days or their their college film or uh, last year, just this year. So Brita in Miami this this season, 59 attempts for 254 rushing yards, nine receptions for 96 receiving yards. Zach Moss in his rookie season, 112 attempts for 481 yards, four touchdowns rushing, 14 catches for 95 yards, and one receiving touchdown. And then we have Devin Singletary, uh, 156 rushing attempts for 687 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and 38 receptions for 269 yards. I have their fantasy stats in front of me, but I don't want to continue just to read off stats here. Um, both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, not super appealing this year uh, in terms of fantasy. Um, one guy would have an okay week, and then the other one would be a flop, and then vice versa. Not a ton. I mean, they they might have hit like 12 or 17 Fantasy points, maybe a twenty outing here and there, but the rest, or the rest were kind of duds. Uh, Brita was not much of a factor in Miami on, on uh, the flip side as well. So my question to you guys is, how do you approach this backfield for fantasy? Um, maybe the short answer is you don't. Maybe the answer is this guy is the guy that I would take if I had to take one of them. Uh, Stompy, you tell me what your your take is here. I, I think this is the the ultimate question for like, okay, well, this is where value comes into play because I mean, you, you can't honestly believe in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss after last year. 
Um, and then Matt Breda, while we've seen flashes from him in the past, he's oft injured. He wasn't used in Miami, even though he was one of should have been one of the more talented backs there. But he what he 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 wasn't even like the third choice. He was like fourth choice because they went through. Who all did they go through? They went through Jordan Howard, and then they went through Salvin Ahmed, and then they went through Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin. And, uh, <laughs> Lynn Bowden was in the mix, yeah. but I think he was he was lining up at quarterback, tight end, wide receiver everywhere. So yeah, I don't know what that means for Matt Breda. The thing, I, the, the the weird thing is Matt Breda still could compete for that job because we've seen him excel in the NFL, and we and we know he's a speedster too, uh, the legendary Matt Breda forty time, but. I mean, to me, this just says go after Josh Allen because after last year and then after a a move or lack thereof uh, assigning Matt Breda, this means that they're just going to stick to throwing the ball and they they have the weapons. Um, they just – who did they just sign at tight end? I thought they just uh, signed somebody, but maybe not. Maybe we were thinking Janu to the. But they let go of uh, Lee Smith. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, point point being, they they still are going to throw the ball. They they opened up the playbook last year, and I don't see why they wouldn't do the same this year. So especially with those running backs. So I, it's a value is on Breda here because he could potentially get the most touches in this backfield. But I don't know what that means in terms of fantasy um, going forward. It was um, to the Bills' one-year contract for Jacob Hollister. Not that that changes our running back situation, but I couldn't think of it either. Jacob Hollister. I mean, Jacob Hollister's a nice pass-catching tight end. Not that he's going to make this gigantic impact because Dawson Knox didn't. But that's true. That's true. Maybe he'll be uh, taking some touches out of the backfield. We don't. We don't know. Uh, their best. Their best red zone running back this past season was Josh Allen. So uh, it's interesting to see what happens. Uh, Chris, what, what's your thoughts on, on these three running backs? Are, are you kind of in on one more than the other? Or are you just out altogether? Uh, where, where do you view these guys? Well, it'd be no fun if I said, yeah, I'm out on all of them. Move on next topic. That wouldn't be fun. That that wouldn't be a discussion. That wouldn't be a, a broadcast or a podcast. So, uh, you, I, Nick, we've been together numerous times. I'm I'm always predisposed to that that first DFS initial reaction, that DFS take, and that's what these three guys are. They're nothing more than than punt plays in DFS formats, given the matchup. You know, throughout the season, we're going to get to a point where uh, Moss is not. Adding Active in week 10. Therefore, might want to take a look at Brita or, or uh, Devin Singletary and vice versa, vice versa through the you know, the, the triangle of running backs there, but Stompy hit a home run here. It is Josh Allen's world in Buffalo and everybody around him is just living in it. They're going to let him air the ball out, you know, 30, 40 times a game if his arm can hold up and it can. Kid has a rocket on his shoulder. So again, you obviously you kind of have to roster running backs or maybe you don't, but you know, having two or three running backs here just saying, well, hey, they're kind of going to fit into our formation in terms of, of pass pro or, you know, just throw 
throwing a, a curve to the the defense here. So this is Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and, and Gabriel Davis, hopefully. But in terms of the running backs, it's just for DFS purposes for me. Punt plays, plenty of bottom of the barrel takes to go on this one. So uh, in, in dynasty formats, what do you do? I mean, it's wild. In redraft leagues, I think in, in all formats, I think I would prefer Zach Moss because if you can look, I wrote down what you were saying. Looks like Zach, or excuse me, Devin Singletary had 156 carries. So he had like 45-ish more uh, uh, carries or attempts than uh, than Moss did. So I think that we already knew that going in. Devin Singletary was supposed to be the guy. Then they grabbed Moss and everybody freaked out. But I would list them in order. for If I'm going to rank them, I'm going to go uh, Singletary, Moss, and then Breida. Breida's never been a factor anywhere he goes. I, I'm sure he's going to wind up being a uh, an inactive, a healthy scratch for numerous games this season. Yeah, and um, this past season, uh, some will say Zach Moss had more touchdowns than than uh, than Singletary, and then they'll say, well, Singletary had more receptions, and then other people will say, well, neither one of them were a good weekly play. I was actually surprised that Buffalo um, made this move because with the guys that were kind of floating around in free agency, maybe they weren't going to go for the most expensive back, but I thought maybe they'd make a push. Uh, for someone more of a caliber to a, a workhorse in the system. But uh, I guess they have enough pieces elsewhere to not have to totally focus on the running back room. Um, for for these three, I'd say in your dynasty leagues or your, uh, your upcoming redraft leagues, the fresh, new, shiny piece might be Matt Breida. So you might say, hey, he's on the block, guys. He could take over the job. Not you know that you want to finesse your league or anything like that, but sometimes you play the, the new shiny piece in your leagues. Uh, so what we got going on today, player A or player B. So a lot of people have dynasty leagues starting up. Um, they might be weighing guys out in a trade, things like that. Uh, I tried to grab some guys that are close to each other in dynasty rankings. So what I looked at was two different things. I looked at weeks one through 16 of this past season, PPR purposes, where did the guy uh, finish? And then I also looked at Fantasy Pros Dynasty rankings. And the reason I looked at Fantasy Pros, they're not the 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 all almighty rankings list, but I like the fact that they have a lot of people updating them almost on a daily basis. So I, I looked at where do they have these guys ranked? So when I say Dynasty rankings, that's what I'm referring to. And when I say 2020, I'm referring to weeks one through 16 PPR. So I might skip around here just for time's sake, but the first two on our list here. I have Ezekiel Elliott. He was the dynasty RB 11 as of today, 2020 finishes the RB 10 kind of felt like, uh, worse than that based off of some people's opinions, Aaron Jones back on the green Bay Packers dynasty RB nine 2020 was the RB five. So you are on the clock. All right. Dynasty startups. That's our little uh, run through here. Are you taking Zeke? Are you taking Aaron Jones? Let's throw ADP out of this. It's it's one or the other. Um, Stompy, let's start with you. Is it Zeke or Aaron Jones for you? Uh, it's Aaron Jones for me. Um, I just wrote a an article about running backs you shouldn't be selling um, at their peak value. Um, not none of the players mentioned were in that, but I did mention Zeke in terms of his downfall this year. And I say downfall, uh, 240 carries, almost a thousand yards, but a downfall this year after his two, after his two back-to-back 300, um, carry seasons. And it was in, it was in, um, reference to 
uh, Derrick Henry's back-to-back 300 carry seasons and how I think he could take a step back this year. But regardless, we've seen, we saw Zeke take a step back this year. We saw Tony Pollard excel at points, especially in, in, in the playmaking game and the passing game when you get the ball in his hands. And yes, while Dak is back and, and it was noticeable, noticeable how uh, the difference between Dak or Zeke, uh, the difference between Zeke with and without Dak. But at the same time, I think Tony Pollard takes some, takes more touches away. I think the signing of Dak as well as the three headed monster that is that wide receiving core means that they're going to pass a lot more um, this season approach, like 600, 700 pass attempts type of season. So I think that takes away Zeke uh, takes, takes a lot of touches or some touches away from Zeke. Whereas Aaron Jones, we know he can excel with limited touches. He's done that the last two years. Uh, Williams, Jamal Williams went a different to a different place. Now, now comes the hype of AJ Dillon here. And I'm not saying AJ Dillon can't catch. He just went to a college that could not pass the ball at Boston College, like an atrocious, atrociously bad passing game at Boston College. With with Dillon was there, so 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 you're telling me that that when we look at uh, stat lines, that they don't read the whole picture. Is that what you're saying right here? Oh, you mean everybody doesn't ever? <laughs> Context matters, but yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that AJ Dillon takes any more work than Jamal Williams did. In fact, I think that he, uh, Aaron Jones could actually get more targets this year. So for me, it's, it's Aaron Jones, especially if he's paired with Aaron Rodgers for the next couple of years. All right. I like it. I like it. I like the, uh, I like bringing in the, the picture with uh, green Bay as well, because I think again, that, that outlook uh, has been all over the place this off season. Um, you've had, uh, AJ Dillon ranked super high and then he's not named the starter uh, or has Aaron Jones coming back. And then we have Zeke who, you know, we, we have people that say he was bad because it was Dak's absence. And then we have people who say he's on a decline. So it's all over the place with stuff like that. Um, so Stoppy has Aaron Jones. Chris, are you in agreement or would you take Zeke? So we got Zeke or Aaron Jones. If you are tuning in the comments, I uh, actually have a lot of people going back and forth there. So I like that. Yeah, well, here's my thing with with these two backs, Zeke and and Aaron Jones. It's so close to me personally. Then I have to go go to a place that not not too many people talk about. Not too many people write or talk about. You know, just just looking inside and trusting my own opinion, my own gut for my own personal pleasure. Fantasy football is fun. This is what we're doing. We're hanging out. We're having a blast. And I would personally prefer Aaron Jones. They're very close, but I just like the intangible things that. That you can trust Aaron Jones to run the ball 35 times, no, maybe 35 is a lot, but 25 times in Lambeau at the end of December when it's like 35 below and he's going to get it done. In terms of Zeke, not saying he can't get it done, but it seems to me that Zeke doesn't always give his, his max effort. He doesn't always give 100%. Like if he's tired or he's bummed out or he's got something weird in his personal life going on, he's just going to go half speed or just going to pout like a baby and that enter Tony Pollard. So of these two running backs, I want Aaron Jones and it has nothing to do with, with stats, numbers, you know, the running backs behind him, my personal opinion and in my gut and in my heart, I'd prefer Aaron Jones. I love the tenacity and the hardworking character of a guy in an organization, in a city that cherishes people like that. And as it stands now, I'd like to think that Zeke is kind of, we've seen a, a, a massive kind of bump 
in his uh, value right now because everybody's running with that uh, that headline. Oh, Dak is back. You know, when Dak is back, you know, Zeke is very good with Dak and Cooper and everything. Use that to your advantage. I'm not saying, you know, Nick said get over. You don't want to get over on people, but you want to play to win. And if you can win by using, you know, hey. a, a, if you can win by using a little dip, a day-to-day -day dip or slide in, in value, then do it. So I would sell Zeke right now because we're all riding high on that Zeke is going to be fantastic because Zach is back. And while you're at it, Aaron Jones is just going to be ho-hum. I have him for 290 carries this season, uh, almost 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns on the Ooh. ground. Uh, and I have, yeah, and I have, uh, no, excuse me, 208 carries. Excuse me, that was Zeke. <laughs> That was the excuse me. Yo, yo was game stop the over here. <laughs> 290, goddamn. Yeah, I'll take Aaron Jones with 290 carries. That hey, would be they, fantastic. They said if you, if you're getting paid this money, you're running the ball. That's it. That's 100. So actually, I have uh, uh, Jones at about 208 carries, about 1100 yards, a little bit more, 4.9 yards a pop. That's more than Zeke uh, will do. Aaron Jones averaged 5.5 yards a carry last season, and oh, I have uh, Aaron Jones about 10 more uh, receptions than Zeke this season. Quick uh, side question, Nick: How much are you paying Chris for that on-air ad? I might have to pull that play-to-win uh, sentence there and just uh, throw that into some comments every now and then. Appreciate that. All right, so both of you guys, Aaron Jones. There's a big difference between the O lines too. I think the the, the Packers O line ranked like two or something on on a PFF article. I think I read at some point. So I think the O lines are a bit different. They both throw the ball a lot too, uh, but I think that there's more opportunity for targets to go Aaron Jones way than there are for Zeke um, when we're talking about where that ball is being thrown. So uh, interesting points by you guys for sure there. Um, sticking with running backs, I'm just going to keep pushing forward. I got a lot on this list. I'll probably jump around sticking with running backs. Now we got two guys who both finished in 2020 inside the top 10, but have had factors that have changed their outlooks for 2021 with other signings coming in. Um, it's always the end of the world when other guys get signed to the team for the same position, uh, when it comes to fantasy, uh, according to some people, but Josh Jacobs, 2020 RB nine. He had the up and down weeks. He'd have a massive week and then a smaller week uh, in terms of production. Um, now you have Kenyon Drake in the system. Some people think that that means he will steal touches. Other people are saying that he's going to line up as a receiver. Just weird, weird uh, back and forth with that. So Josh Jacobs, 2020 RB nine dynasty RB 17 as of uh, fantasy pros rankings today. David Montgomery, 2020 RB6, Dynasty RB20. We have Damian Williams now in the system and Tariq Cohen coming back from uh, ACL tear. So when it comes to Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery, who a lot of people are down on right now, if you have to pick one of them, let me know which guy. And also, if you want to throw in if we should be down on him or not. Uh, Chris, we can start with you. Sure. Another one. Uh, that's why, you know, when you ask when you need help or you need someone to fill in, I'm always happy to be here because the questions are so they're not just like fluff questions. They're so good. And it makes you think because then when I see these players and I write down all the stats, you know, anybody can see this stuff and they're they are neck and neck in terms of of what I, I expect from them this coming season. I expect, you know, uh, David Montgomery at about 250 carries. I got Josh Jacobs at about 200. 
159 carries. I have them, you know, finishing within 10 to 14 total PPR points at the end of the season. But personally, I have to dig deep and make a, a, a concerned effort from my own personal opinion. And I would prefer David Montgomery. He's in a division that can be had. You know, when you look at Josh Jacobs in Vegas, he's playing in the AFC West. A lot of tough defenses. Denver's getting good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. I know Pat doesn't play defense, but there's a lot more action and there's a lot more competition for Vegas. And oh, Kenyon Drake is there. I don't think that's a massive deal as everybody thinks it is. And because the argument you hear for David Montgomery is, oh, he's not that good. He had he had a five game stretch. What a four or five game stretch last season where he played like uh, the, the 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st ranked defense throughout the season. So what? That's what player. That's what good players are supposed to do. Good teams show out against bad other bad teams. That's just how it is. So personally, I would prefer David Montgomery. I've been a, a DeMont fan secretly in the closet for years, so I'm glad I can finally, you know, get this out. I feel better to not having it inside of me, you know, all this time. So I'd prefer DeMont over Josh Jacobs. And personally, I just don't like Josh Jacobs. All that nonsense last season about F your fantasy team, and then he gets, uh, you know, arrested for drinking. I mean, he's just not anybody I want to, you know, be involved with. I, so I don't want him on my team. So give me David Montgomery from your Chicago Bears. By Chicago Bears. Uh, Stompy, and maybe you can answer this uh, question in the comments real quick as well. When you touch base, we had the question, uh, do we think Jacobs is a lot better than Kenyon Drake? Uh, so back to the question, um, Josh Jacobs, They're the same David player. Montgomery. They're the same player. So this Ray makes it maybe, they're maybe literally the same. No, no, not, not David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Oh, all right, all right. Kenyon yeah. Drake and Josh, they literally signed the same exact player. As Josh Jacobs, like the profile, look at the profiles and tell me they're not the same player, literally from the same alma mater. Um, so I like this question because I don't like either of these guys. Unfortunately, uh, Chris, I don't like David Montgomery. I never have. I will say this for David Montgomery, though. I'm not afraid of his inconsistency because if you look at the last two seasons, he's had 242 rushes and 247 rushes despite who he shares the backfield with. So what that tells me is he's just he's going to get the majority of the carries. Damian Williams, sure, will get some touches. Mike Davis also got some touches in 2019, and people were concerned about that. So for me, it's a matter of – consistency and who I'm afraid of more. I think, I think Kenyon Drake is as good as Josh Jacobs and they don't want to use Josh Jacobs in the passing game at, at the very least, at the very least, David Montgomery had 68 targets last year. So there's just a lot of things going against Josh Jacobs, like that he shouldn't have been taken as the second running back overall or whatever. Or was he the first running back overall that year? I can't remember. but I think he was first. But point being, they don't seem to believe in Josh Jacobs enough to give somebody like Kenyon Drake a contract. So it's David Montgomery for me, if only because of the I, I feel the consistency. And it, it's weird with, uh, with Kenyon Drake coming into the system because 
last year we looked at the Cardinals and they're like, hey, Chase Edmund, you know, Chase Edmonds take a lot of the uh, the receiving away from Kenyon Drake, um, which he did. He took a lot of receptions away. And, and now Kenyon Drake goes to the Raiders and they say, hey, he might line up at receiver. He might be catching everything out of the backfield. So it's it's weird, the usage uh, team to team. But, uh, yeah, so um, I stop. have, more- oh, go ahead. if I may say so, I have Josh Jacobs, I think, as I said, at around – uh, 260 carries, whereas Kenyon Drake around 115. So there's a difference of almost 150 carries. But then in terms of, of the receptions, I have Drake around 50 and I have Josh Jacobs around 30, 35. So the carries is what does it because they're running back. So the, the difference is is large to me where a, if you're going to promise me one guy 150 more carries and 20 less receptions, I'll bite that bullet on that one for Josh Jacobs. But it's not that backfield isn't enough for me to freak out and throw caution to the wind and completely go nuts on social media or on a broadcast here. It's just something that, I, you know, maybe we'll just keep an eye on. But again, of the two, I'm still going to choose Dima. They also seem to be gearing up more again this offseason with the signing of John Brown. Um, they already have a ton of talented wide receivers there. I mean, maybe not talent. Maybe I shouldn't say talented. They have a ton of other wide receivers there. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards is entering his second season. Um, uh, we can't forget about Hunter Renfro and then the wide receiver tight end one or whatever is, is um, Darren Waller. So I, in the, in, in Chris brought it up, they live, they're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and you look at every one of the teams in the AFC West, they are trying to compete with the chiefs. You had drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke was drafted in 2018. And then they drafted Jerry Judy. They have Cortland Sutton. They have Noah Fant. Um, and then you look at KJ Mahomes. Hamler. Yeah, and KJ Hamler. I do love KJ Hamler. And Tim Patrick out of nowhere. Um, and then, I mean, you got Herbert and Keenan Allen and, I mean, Jared Cook, which is okay, fine, whatever. But Mike Williams, uh, Austin, you have a bunch of teams gearing up to throw the ball. So, Josh Jacobs may be less involved this year than he has been in the first two weeks. And let's not let's not forget that for some odd reason, Mayak and Gruden completely dismantled their offensive line. I, it's it's astounding to me why and why and how and it's just unbelievable to me. They're good gone. Was it eight eight more seven more years of Josh John Gruden? Uh, Raiders yeah. fans. And I, I was in discussion with this, someone on social media, and they could buy them out, but it would be, you know, a, 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 an ungodly amount of money. So they're they're in it for the long haul. On, on one of the podcasts, uh, I forgot who said it, but they actually have a website dedicated to the time ticker and how much longer there is on his contract. So somebody actually spent the time to do that. Um, let, let's get into the next one. We're going to end up, we'll go as far as we can. And at the very end, I'm just going to like spitball and name out this guy or this guy. And you guys will just give me your one words. Uh, but let's get into a wide receiver uh, pair. So I'll save some of these for the end. But Two different guys here, C.D. Lamb and Terry McLaurin. So C.D. Lamb, 2020 wide receiver, 20. Again, we're looking at weeks one through 16 PPR. Dynasty rankings have him as the wide receiver, 10. Terry McLaurin, 2020 wide receiver, 22. Dynasty rankings have him as the wide receiver, 11. So they were neck and neck in 2020. The Dynasty rankings I checked out today have them neck and neck again. Uh, Stompy, are you taking C.D. Lamb for Dynasty or are you taking Terry McLaurin? Pass. 
This is a fantastic question. I, I'm very, I'm very interested to see what you say, Stomp, because no matter what you say, I'll probably do the exact opposite because I have no idea right now. I, I honestly don't either. It, it, all right, I'm, I'm gonna take Terry McLaurin, like if only for the two years of horrendous QB play, and yet two years of supreme production from Terry McLaurin. First two years, by the way, first two years of his career. And now, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can, and maybe, maybe you can't, maybe if the, maybe if you're kind of flip-flopping between the two, look at where Terry McLaurin is right now and what he could do this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and his YOLO Chuck in the ball. I, I mean, and they have Curtis Samuel and say what you will, what you want about Curtis Samuel, but he takes away some of that pressure. We've seen Curtis Samuel be a good wide receiver in the NFL. Yep. Uh, Logan Thomas as well. I, I think he's a guy that really needs to be talked about in terms of uh, late tight end plays, but I think it's McLaurin because he produced with terrible QBs. Yes, he did get volume, but now he's, I, I think you're, you're going to get better passing and more volume coming his way from Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if you're flip-flopping between those two, I would go um, McLaurin. So, but it's hard because I can't tell you what the future looks like from 2021 on. Like, it'd be nice if you could. Like, we don't. I mean, let's be real. 2022 classes at this point in time is pretty weak um, on paper. Doesn't have a lot of great quarterbacks. So, if Washington needs a quarterback, where do they go? Um, and so what does the 2023 class look like? Well, that's two years out. I have no idea what those quarterbacks are going to look like. So the fact that Dak signed and you're going to get a, an elite QB for four years, well, at least to start the entirety of CeeDee Lamb's career is awesome. I'm just going to go with Terry McLaurin if, if because of the fact that he's produced without quarterbacks. Yeah, the uh, Allen Robinson syndrome right there. Yes, um, yes. Chris, Chris, Terry McLaurin, C.D. Lamb, who are you taking if you're on the clock right now? Uh, to make this interesting, and this would be probably fact here, I'm going to go C.D. Lamb, and I'll tell you why real quick if you don't mind. I believe Terry McLaurin is 25, and C.D. Lamb is uh, 21-ish, 22 years old. It's not that big of a deal when you when you know what you're getting from two very studly wide receivers here. I have Lamb for about 20, give or take, less targets uh, and about – you know, 10 less receptions here. The yardage looks about 200 yards more in Terry McLaurin's uh, way, but I have Terry, or excuse me, C.D. Lamb scoring, you know, give or take two two more touchdowns than Terry McLaurin here because C.D. Lamb will be used in a variety of other ways from the backfield, screen passes, swing passes, reverses, all this weird stuff, which works. He, he's young. He's interesting. He's very electric. I'm not saying Terry isn't that, but I think where Terry loses points, not to me, but from what I've seen across the board, he's just a meat and potatoes guy. He's kind of a uh, one to two route kind of guy take off down the field I'm gone you chucked up the ball 50 50 whatever it's mine and I'll score and I'll put up yardage it, for people like us who are like ooh and ah like we want all the bells and whistles and all the shiny things Terry McLaurin is boring but he produces whereas in CD Lamb it's exciting people love to hate 
uh, Dallas. They love to hate on Zeke and Dak. So when you get a kid like Lamb in there, it's just like, you know, everybody explodes because it's so exciting. So I'm going to take C.D. Lamb in this one. And, I, you know, I'll concede the 200 yards and I'll concede that, you know, the 15 uh, less receptions. But I, I will gladly take the two more touchdowns that I expect C.D. Lamb to uh, receive, maybe a, a rushing touchdown or two more than Terry in 2021. All right. All right. I, I like, I like the split. I like the split here. We'll see if we'll, we'll do one more wide receiver uh, combo right here. See if we uh, are in agreement or split as well. So again, these two guys I've seen a ton of back and forth with as well. Um, T Higgins and Kenny Galladay. So T Higgins, 2020 wide receiver, 24 dynasty rankings. I looked at today has him as the wide receiver, 17 for dynasty Kenny Galladay on the other side. Dynasty rankings I looked at today had him as a wide receiver in 19, so two apart. Uh, Kenny Galladay didn't play much in, in 2020 due to some injuries. Uh, you got T. Higgins, who is going to enter his sophomore season. Um, some people are concerned about maybe uh, the Bengals taking a pass catcher in this draft. Other people see T. T Higgins as like a top 15 dynasty wide receiver. On the, the other hand, you got Kenny Galladay, who has a new home in uh, New York with the Giants. So you guys are on the clock. These two are in front of you. You have to take one. Stompy, which guy are you taking? I kind of want to pass it to Chris to let him take it. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm interested. Right, yeah, here. yeah, all right. Especially being, being in Detroit, I, I kind of want to see where you go with this. Fair, so, fair enough there. Fair enough. So here's the thing. From a statistical standpoint, I'll run that first and then my own personal opinion, which uh, I don't know if people like it or hate it, but that's all I know. It so, is what it is. I have uh, T. Higgins at about 128 targets, 80 receptions, and I have Kenny Galladay at about 120 targets, around 75 receptions, six touchdowns apiece. They'll both finish at around 220-ish kind of uh, PPR points. So it couldn't; these two uh, players couldn't mirror each other any better. It's like T. Higgins looking at Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay looking at T. Higgins. It's the exact same person. The only difference to me is age. I love what T. Higgins. Can can do and Kenny Galladay left a very sour taste in my mouth from you know skipping out, not playing with the hip injury. Who knows how much of it was, uh, you know, put on or fake? I don't know. But Kenny Galladay to me seems like the definition of a prima donna, a very temperamental person with an inflated view of their own talent or their own importance. He he declined a, a what uh, 18 million a year contract with the Lions, and then up oh, he was left kind of holding his hat. Uh, in free agency and then the Jets said well there's really nobody else around so we'll take you on and bam Kenny G is there Kenny or excuse me T Higgins is going to be fantastic in his second year being able to work after the first few games obviously uh, Joe Burrow won't be 100% healthy or might not play in the first few games that's fine we saw what Kenny or excuse me I keep they're, they're, they're identical I keep confusing them I we keep forgetting what T Higgins did last season with Joe Burrow and without Joe Burrow he was kind of a set it and forget it wide receiver as a rookie. I believe there was like a, a seven or eight game stretch where he averaged six or more receptions or six 60 plus reception yards. So six catches, 60 yards for PPR points. That's 12 points plus a touchdown if he gets it. So to me, it's T Higgins and I'm not thinking twice. T Higgins is uh, AJ Green 2.0, by the way. AJ Green was 6'4", 210. Uh, 
I just had T Higgins up here. Uh six four two sixteen. So I mean you can't compare them because they're from two very different coaching um trees, but at the same time, it's a big wide receiver that we see. I mean, we don't see a lot of teams use that X wide receiver anymore or that traditional Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson type of wide receiver. T Higgins is that though. And we saw Joe Burrow looks to him in the end zone constantly, but he's also good at beating guys down the seam. We saw it all over the place last year from T Higgins. Chris mentioned it. He's 21 years old versus Kenny Galladay. who's going to turn 28 this year. And again, I love Kenny Galladay. I love Kenny Galladay, but look at the two situations that, or the, the situations that he goes from and two. So you had Matt Stafford with a bad Detroit defense constantly chucking the ball up. I mean, we saw it with Calvin Johnson. We see saw it with Marvin Jones. We see it with uh, Kenny Galladay. And I'm not saying Kenny Galladay's not talented. We've, I mean, you have to be talented to get back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons as a wide receiver. But at the end of the day, your quarterback's going to matter. Daniel Jones is another guy who can throw a good deep ball. Um, he can chuck it out there, but he's still not – he's not as good as Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is one of the most underrated NFL players of all time. If he was surrounded by any form of talent, they could have they could have done a lot more. Um, if we think back to – what was it, that 2015 playoffs when they played the Saints and the Saints ultimately won it. But regardless – um, Kenny Galladay finds himself in a worse situation with far more competition. You have Sterling Shepard, you have John Ross out of nowhere, you have Darius Slayton, you have Sa- healthy Saquon Barkley coming back, you have Evan Ingram. He's going to compete for targets, whereas T. Higgins, even if they do grab a wide receiver, he's going to be the alpha in that in that um, wide receiver room and. Again, or in, and Chris mentioned this too, Burrow may, may not be 100% at the beginning of the season, but I wouldn't be worried about that in terms of dynasty here. Like he's already proven something in year one to me and with him taking over as the alpha with Joe Burrow, who is an elite prospect, I don't see how Higgins isn't the answer here. As men, we've all been in a relationship where we were in love and then we fell out of love and things got really bad and we don't talk about that person ever again. Uh, when And I'm pe- speaking of Kenny Galladay, when he was here and as a lion, you know, I, I you overlook or at least I, I overlook a lot of, you know, red flags or things he doesn't do well. But the more I think of it, Kenny Galladay is a one trick pony. He's kind of a 50 50 ball down the field and that's it. Whereas in T Higgins, who, as you pointed out, is five maybe six years younger, is a burner. He can run any route in the tree that they ask him. He's good at separation. He can get under and over defenses. And it's just an all-around better situation. And the more and more I think of it, their profiles are identical with projections or what they've done, but it couldn't be further apart from me right here and now, personally, between T and Kenny G. I like that. I like that. Uh, That was a nice little rhyme at the end of there. I like that. Kenny, (laughs) that was... Yeah, I don't even remember what I said. Kenny G and 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 T Higgins. and Kenny G. That's it. I'm trying to get a a big text because I'm gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to go through the rest here, and you're gonna give us um your this guy or that guy without explanation. Just be, we Sorry, have a lot I mean, on the list, but I've been but talking I, too much. <laughs> hey, we we could go on for a long time. I'd get in, I'd get in some trouble, I think. But but. I like the fact that we went through Josh Jacobs and Dave Montgomery because of recent news. I like the fact that we talked about 
uh, Terry McLaurin because of recent additions to Washington. And then obviously Kenny Galladay just became a giant not too long ago. So I like that as well um, that we got into those. So the rest of these, maybe not as much uh, big news. I'm putting a number on my phone because that's going to be the person that goes, goes first um, to start with uh, for this guy or that guy. So what we'll do is for the rest of these guys on the list, um, and I do appreciate the conversation because those those guys we just touched on, uh, good insight on all of them. And I, I like the guys in the comments saying that um, some of the same things with like T. Higgins and Kenny Galladay, like profile, very similar. Um, so I like that. Uh, Stompy, is it a one or is it a two on my phone? Two. All right. So I got I got one. I got one. So uh, Chris, Chris going first or second? Let's go. Out, hit me with it now. I love a good lightning round. All right, all right. So uh, Dynasty rankings I looked at today had Gus Edwards, RB43, Philip Lindsay, RB45. Your one answer, is it Gus Edwards or Philip Lindsay? Gus Edwards, not thinking twice. Stompy. Same, same, it's gross. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's strange like that's, that, that, uh, that ADP is kind of crazy to me. I, <laughs> it really is. Phil Lindsay lands on uh, on a team that has two old running backs in the system too. So three, they just three old running backs. Duke's still there. Didn't didn't Duke get released? I think he might have. Okay. Regardless, regardless, we got the 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 Mark Ingram and David Johnson, whatever sort of monster you want to label them as. Uh, but yeah, okay, all right. So that one was easy. So we'll we'll flip to Stompy first here on this one then. Will Fuller, Dynasty Wide Receiver 34, or Marquise Brown, Dynasty Wide Receiver 36? I think this one's pretty easy for me, easier than I would think a lot expect, but it's Will Fuller for me. Get him in another offense that's up-and-coming offense with good wide receivers, just doesn't have anybody over the top. You give that guy a healthy season, he's going to explode. That's the thing. Will we ever see a healthy season? But I'm with you. It's Will Fuller to me in a nice, warm, comfy climate. He's happy. The organization's happy. Big Will Fuller season coming up. Uh, sorry, Hollywood Brown. And he actually did have a healthy season. I don't know if it was in part due to why he got suspended, but he got suspended for uh, PEDs, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, so healthy and not suspended could equal good things for Will Fuller. He could be a, he could be a season or a league winner next year, by the way. Could. He could. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that take. Um, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. So we'll go back to Chris. Carson Wentz, Dynasty QB 16, or Kirk Cousins, QB 17 in the Dynasty rankings I just looked at. You could compare Kirk Cousins to uh, Jim Plunkett. It, I don't matter. I'm never going to pick Kirk Cousins. So to me, it's Carson Wentz. It, it's very awesome that he has a good offensive line. Happens to have one of the best up and coming uh, wide, or excuse me, running backs in the league. So Carson Wentz with a big bounce back season. I don't like Kirk Cousins, and I don't like Minnesota Viking fans. Damn it! This oh, is the right. first one you and I are going to have some contention on. Um, because I, I think it's Kirk Cousins for me, because regardless of how people feel, yes, he's not going to have the ceiling, but he has the consistent floor. And to me, it's Carson Wentz. What kind of Carson Wentz QB is Carson Wentz right now? I, we don't know. I mean, if he it, teaming up with Frank Reich and better wide receivers, that could very much resurrect his career, but I'm not sure. I don't know if it's Carson Wentz or if it was the system. So Kirk Cousins to me, because regardless of what happens with the Vikings, he could land very easily land with a team with very good weapons and become a very, a, a high end QB two, low end QB one. 
And fair enough, and I respect that. It's all based on what kind of dynasty or fantasy football player you are. Are you always looking for a safe floor? Are you always trying to hit home runs at certain positions? I'd rather go for a massive upside home run in a bounce back with uh, Wentz. Yeah, Cousins, uh, QB 11 this year, weeks 1 through 16. Uh, I'm always I'm always curious to hear why um, not for cousins specifically, but uh, the the people that say you know I I love I love AJ Brown I, I'm I'm in love with his dynasty value, but then they hate uh, Ryan Tannehill or some people like love Justin Jefferson, but they just don't like Kirk Cousins at all. And like I sometimes it goes hand in hand, sometimes it doesn't. But it's always interesting to see you know, those people who are super high on the receiver, but not in the quarterback, not saying that's you, Chris, just no, in, in, I general, think in general, I, real quick. If I have 30 seconds, I'll, I think I know why. Cause Kirk cousins is he's boring. He's vanilla. He's playing, but he gets the job done. AJ Brown can grab the ball and run over and body slam five people on the way to the end zone. Then if I tweet that I get a bunch of likes, people think I'm cool. So it's all about being flashy and, you know, being hip to the game, I guess. That's a that's a big big piece of Twitter. It seems like so. I yeah, I, I hear you there. All right, all right. Jared Goff, dynasty ranked QB twenty. I don't know if you have some obligations, Chris, but we'll we'll go with this. Jared Goff, QB twenty for the dynasty rankings I read today. Derek Carr, dynasty QB twenty two. So two guys listed pretty close together. Two guys kind of hated on a lot too. Um, who went first last time? I, I forget. The other person goes first. All right, all right. I'm going first, or you're going first. I'll go. I already have an answer. I'm going to go Jared Goff here, and it's not has nothing to do with my Detroit Homer dumb. But Jared Goff is he's here, and the new coaching staff and the Brad Holmes, the front office, it looks like they're making good, smart decisions, and they're going to build a draft, and they're going to build a team around some of these guys. And like it or not, Jared Goff is going to be probably a cornerstone for a couple seasons. He's going to be a bridge quarterback until they're able to be in a position to draft one. So Jared Goff is going to be fine. I've never hated golf, even when he was, you know, with the Rams and Derek Carr is Derek Carr. He's another plain vanilla guy who has really good games, but really he has really high highs and really low lows. He's like very manic to me. And again, as we mentioned, that offensive line is poof, it's gone. So uh, give me Jared golf in, in, in a re-energized Jared golf in a new city with a new team. I, I, there, there was another question on here about TJ Hawkinson versus uh, no Fant. I want to get your, your uh, thoughts on that because yeah, Hawkinson has just all of the targets in the world right now, but how are we feeling with him being the number one target on Detroit? What do you think, Chris? Any, any takes uh, on that? And then we can just shift both. We can just yeah, shift sorry, both no. questions up to us. No, I, I like that. I like that. Cause I wanted to make sure we touched on at least one uh, tight end pair up here. So um, your thoughts on uh, Hawkinson being that number one target on, on, on paper right now. And then after that, we'll shift up to Stompy for both, uh, both matchups. Sure. I like that. Well well, on paper, it's all everything is in TJ Hawkinson's neck of the woods. Uh, I I don't, you know, this is his third season now. So everybody says, you know, a, a young tight end, you don't expect much from them in their rookie season. And then their sophomore season is when they kind of, you know, get cruising going from there. So TJ Hawkinson should be, you know, a, a top five tight end in all intents and purposes here. Personally, I have Hawk for about, you know, 20, 30 more targets, uh, 20, 30 more catches than Noah Font. I have him for, you know, six, seven touchdowns Fant at like three or four touchdowns. That might be a little low on Font, but uh, I 
firmly believe, you know, Detroit fandom aside, TJ Hawkinson is the better tight end. He's in the better mm -hmm. system. And if he's getting the, all the targets, then right then and there, that's enough for me to check TJ Hawkinson off the box and put him on my team. Given the fact that in Denver, you know, I see you got the Denver hat on. I'm not going to burn or put them down, no, but Drew, Drew Locke is the quarterback. Is he? Who knows? And even when they do get a quarterback, they, they have 17 very good options to catch the ball. They have a, a, ton, a ton of offensive <laughs> skill positions which isn't a bad thing for real life football but for fantasy football you kind of got to knock a guy like uh no offense well no and i think i'm on the same i mean i agree i think he was the better prospect coming out and i think he's got i mean this is the argument volume is king it takes precedent here i mean if you're gonna get 100 targets as a tight end i mean obviously you're gonna take that guy um you would so hope, yeah that, you would hope. So, so I, I definitely agree there. Um, and I think just moving forward, Hawkinson's just going to have the better career. Um, so in terms of the quarterbacks, I think the question is whether you believe that Detroit is going to build around Jared Goff or not. And it seems like Chris believes that. And a guy from Detroit, I, I kind of have to trust him there. And, and he provides awesome content anyway. So I'm going to trust him anyway. But, but yeah, so just to be devil's advocate here. And again, this is a bar about telling the future of these quarterbacks, Derek Carr. And I don't know how long Derek Carr is signed. Um, it might be in through next year. I'm going to check his contract right now. No problem. Beep, 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 beep. In the meantime, again, a hundred plus targets. I have to be specific. If I'll write it down and we can revisit this, I have TJ Hawk for about 110 to 115 targets specifically, and I have Fant at like the lower end of 80. So yep. you're talking 30, maybe 40 more targets. So realistically, you know, volume is king, as you said it. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely and I mean, and if you list the Broncos pass casters, it's it's Cortland Sutton, 1A, Jerry Judy, 1B. Uh, then you have Tim Patrick on the outside there, KJ Hamler as well. Um, and then people forget that Albert O Albert is there. O. Albert O is just, is just as athletic as Noah Fant. Melvin has worse, Gordon. Has worse hands, but I mean – there's just not a lot of target. I mean, we're, yeah, I, I agree. It's the piece of the pie argument, and they, he definitely doesn't have a huge piece of the chunk of that pie. So, but for me, Derek Carr, and this, and so his contract's up in in 2022. So this is, or he can be, he can be cut for no dead cap uh, instead of uh, night paying 19 million. So he'll be probably be gone. But if you yeah. feel that they don't want to pay somebody. 25 30 million dollars i could see Derek carr being re-signed to again another 20 million dollar contract here where they build around that defense though they have though they haven't been but build around that defense and that offense with the weapons it has i mean they're going to be throwing a ton so i think Derek carr next year might beat out jared goff i definitely get the argument though that jared goff is the better long-term QB here because not only age, but because they're the teams that are how the teams are building themselves. And he, he's a guy, he's a guy I've always been not, not high on, but higher than the most because he'll, he'll finish inside, you know, he'll be the QB 12 or the QB 15. And he's talked about at times is like the QB 25 or something like that. Um, he, he's not a guy that's going to win you your league, but Super flex leagues, man. If that's my second or third guy in my team, I'm fine with it. 
um, yep. in in the past. And we'll see how things turn out in uh, Detroit for sure. Uh, so I do like that. Hey, last last one I'm going to throw you guys. Just I know we're over the hour mark, but just because we hit on multiple positions, at least two guys, g- give me your take real quick, real quick on Mike Gusecki or Irv Smith Jr. So so we look at these two guys when it comes to dynasty. I got Mike Gusecki, dynasty tight end eight, Irv Smith Jr., dynasty tight end 10. Uh, tight end 10. That's a hard one. Um, a lot of, a lot of opinions are up and down. Some people think that Irv Smith Jr. could be the next massive pass catcher. Some people think that Mike Gusecki is not in the best situation that he can be. I, I don't know. It's just back and forth with these two as well. Um, we'll, we'll go snobby. Is it your turn? We'll, we'll go to you. We'll go to you. Gusecki. I just, what, or Irv what Smith do people Jr.? think Irv Smith is going to, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand where the Irv Smith hype comes from. Cause it's not like anything really changed. They have Tyler Conklin instead of Kyle Rudolph. I I think some people look and see that like he was involved in college often as a pass catcher and, you know, Alabama utilized him. I mean, he had probably, probably had more like receptions his senior year than, than Ruggs did his senior year. Like he he was involved. Listen, I'm not worried about Irv Smith as a prospect. I'm worried about Irv Smith on the Vikings. Yeah, because, yeah, that's just my my like. Maybe this is what people are thinking, sort of thing. And I I get it. Like it's it's a I I feel like the Irv Smith is hype is reactionary. I I get that Irv Smith is a, a good talent, but when we're talking about tight ends here, like he is he going to have that breakout season that gets him into a top twelve? I. I don't know because Tyler Conklin exists. Justin Jefferson just had the greatest wide receiver, rookie wide receiver season of all time. Adam Thielen Ever. still demands 140 targets a season. Dalvin Cook had it, his first real healthy season last season. I just don't like Irv Smith at the very most to me is the third option, but likely is the fourth option and and could take a seat to a fifth option with Tyler Conklin. I, I just don't, I don't love the situation for Irv Smith. Whereas I do like it for Gesicki because if I'm really thinking about it, Will Fuller's out for the first eight games, I believe. Um, Devontae Parker is there. Preston Williams is as much as it hurts me to say is not a thing anymore. Let's be realistic. He's just not, I doubt he's going to have that breakout. Yeah. So to me, Gasicki is the like bona fide third option in that, unless they draft a wide receiver, but he's the bona fide third option in that offense, an up and coming offense with Tua. Yeah, Will, Will Fuller will be out. Uh, I think one one game. Uh, I got that in the comments. I, I remember reading that too. Not that that changes a lot. One on your, game. Yeah, one one okay. game because he, he he got suspended a, a chunk. Oh, that's right. Middle, this, yeah. this year, yeah, yeah. Um, but I but I like again. <clears throat> a lot of what you just talked about kind of goes to the last tight end matchup about opportunity and opportunity for volume. And I think that's huge with tight ends. I think when we kind of analyze them, the the lazy thing that I I hate all the time is that people will say, you know, it's the top three and then you just throw a dart and that's how you got to rank your tight ends. I think that gets kind of lazy at times uh, because you got to look at opportunity and, and target share and volume and and, and things like that. So I, I like those points, Chris, is it Irv Smith or is it Mike Gusecki? If I dislike Kirk Cousins, why would I want the third or fourth option on the Minnesota Vikings? Would you want? 
I mean, I, I take the third or fourth option on the Kansas City Chiefs. I take the third or fourth option even with Herbert in L.A., but the third or fourth option in Minnesota, absolutely not. So give me Gasicki in a situation where, uh, again, the franchise is energized. You know, everybody's excited. They have a, a young, you know, quarterback, and everything's going to be fine. Everything is right now sunshine and rainbows in Miami for the Dolphins. So give me that situation over a vanilla, mundane Minnesota Vikings culture. So Chris is going for the sunshine and rainbows for this one here. So appreciate that. Appreciate that. We will wrap things up now. We're over the hour mark. We probably could have went through all these, but I, I do like that we didn't, you know, spend too much time on the wrong ones. I feel like we spent some time on the, the good matchups. We, we, we didn't need to spend 10, 15 minutes on Gus Edwards versus Philip Lindsay. That was just kind of thrown on there. So um, do, do, do. I, I love Philip Lindsay so much. Look, I'm a Broncos fan. I grew up in Colorado. He's a, he's a Colorado guy. He runs in a straight line. He has zero shiftiness, and he can't catch the ball. They have, at the very least, David Johnson can catch the ball. Um, but Gus Edwards is on a run-first team that he's going to get 130 to 150 carries. Like, it's a no-brainer to me. <laughs> and he's yeah, going to get, like, yeah. five <laughs> touchdowns. He, he reminds me, I mean, obviously you got some ties to the Broncos. He reminds me of, like, James Robinson, how, how, how much I, like, it hits home with him because he's from Rockford, Illinois. I mean, I've been to Rockford a hundred times, and he went to Illinois State University where my wife went to college yeah. different times. Uh, but guys like that you just want to root for, but uh, weird situation. But James Robinson is good. Kenny G as well, Illinois State, Kenny G. Kenny Not G. Dane Wall. NIU, NIU for Kenny G. Close, close. Um, he actually he went to Saluki, huh? Or is that yeah, Southern he, Illinois? Southern Illinois Saluki. Northern Illinois uh, Huskies. Huskies. That's right. That's right. Ken, Kenny Galladay went to St. Rita High School, same high school as my dad. Like I, I thought, these Chicago ties might have meant something. They they did not. Uh, but all right. Thank yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. I want to make sure we close things out and uh, let everybody know who's tuning in late now. Uh, either live or on the podcast later. Where can we find you? Anything else you want to plug? We'll start with you, Chris. Where can we find you? Anything else coming up you want to end with? Uh, pretty easy, pretty simple. Find me at Detroit Priestie. I pride myself on on reaching out and getting back to anybody who who asks me, tags me, messages me. Uh, and for all my stuff coming out, when it comes out, it'll come out. More importantly, be kind to everybody, be supportive, help other people, and do things you know happy with a smile on your face because that you get nowhere being a jerk putting other people down absolutely and just to kind of piggyback off that times like this are, are my favorite times just like getting with people i haven't you know necessarily been in the same room with talking football there's too much other drama and bullshit on twitter lately and i, I like just talking about what we came here to do so uh stop, august stop we're hey, giving august. hugs kisses in august that's that's what i'm looking forward to and, and, yeah. and double handshakes at the convention uh stop oh. where can we find you uh, on twitter and anything else you want to plug yeah, so I'm at Stomp Bear Pig on Twitter. So like Man Bear Pig, just put Stomp instead of Man. Um, just look out for articles. I'll be writing multiple articles over the next few weeks, and then look out for Dynasty Diagnostic. I hope to get that going here soon. Other than that, I'll be I'm I'm trying to get rolling again and getting on as many uh, guest spots as possible. So I'll probably be on your favorite podcast at some point, maybe. Hey, maybe, maybe. I, I hope to see that. So I'm glad I actually uh, got connected with you, Stompy. Um, we will uh, have this pushed out to iTunes and Spotify, all that cool stuff, uh, probably within the next day or two. Uh, we will be live at P2W Fantasy on Thursday again, uh, talking with Michael. 
Hoff and my other guest that I have to think of off the top. That's bad. You don't head. know your other guest. I'm, I'm, oh. uh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting it done off the top of my head here. No, it's actually Nate. Nate, uh, the, I was trying to I was trying to get the last name. Paul 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 Goyce. Uh, Paul Voigt. I say yeah, Nate yeah, Paul Voigt. There you go. There you go. Him and his I'm wife Jen are, are are fantastic awesome, people. Awesome people. Yeah, trying to get that together. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. It was a pleasure.